The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Welcome back, everybody, to The Daily Sales Show, where we bring you daily sales advice to help you sell better. I'm your host, Adrian Saya, and today we're going to speak about the three ways sellers and marketers can win more deals together. A lot of times there's a misconception that they need to be at odds with each other, but that is simply not true. A lot more could be done if you simply work together. Now, I love seeing where everyone is tuning in from, so be sure to throw it in the chat. Let me know where you're, you're here from. Are you here from Sydney, New York? We usually get them worldwide, so throw it in the chat. Love to see this. I'm already seeing some come in. Ivan from Ukraine. Welcome, Ivan. Uh, we got Stephanie from North Carolina. Welcome, Stephanie. And Arthur, you're here from Toronto. Great to see you. <laughs> Love to Mate. see you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's great to have you here. Now, we have some incredible speakers here for you all today. We have Arthur Castillo. He's the head of Dark Social and Evangelism at Chili Piper. And, and Natalie Marco Tulio. She is from Navitech, and she is the head of growth and operations. Welcome, guys. Now, Arthur, why do you think sales and marketing are always seen as being at odds with one another? Yeah, so uh, what, a, what a great question to start off with. Um, <laughs> and by the way, I'll, I'll, I'll preface that. I, I cut my teeth in sales, eight years uh, in SaaS sales, and unfortunately joined the dark side, or fortunately, however you want to look at it. <laughs> um, when I look at it, I think it comes down to two things. It's the the history of the roles and then the metrics. So when I talk history, if you think back to what marketing roles was, was, it was really like being sales assistant, right? If they needed a deck, they needed some emails so they could go do outbound cold sales. They're really at the beck and call of sales. Um, and then we look at the metrics, right? Of Traditionally, marketers have been comped on leads and MQLs, and that doesn't necessarily work. In fact, it can actually harm and take up a lot of the most expensive resource often within your company, your sales team, right? Uh, if you're sending them leads that are never going to buy. So it really comes down to position of if you're not aligned on the metrics and marketing is is killing their quota and sending 10,000 leads and sales is barely hitting 50%, you're never going to be aligned. And I think you also have to look at the the evolution of where marketing is heading. I think um, now as more often than not, people really want to do that buying experience um, solo as much as possible, right? Before they, they request to speak with sales. So I think marketing has to be where people are are often talking about and i know that's what we often refer to as dark social and so you're seeing a bit of the evolution of marketing trying to get outside of what they traditionally have been done i think that's love uh, that odds yeah yeah and i want to cover that in so much more especially that dark social piece because there's a lot of benefit that can come from that and i'm really excited to get into that and so much more now before we begin if you're looking to level up in 2023 we are here to help with our daily sales show and our membership with instant access to training and resources for individuals and teams. So be sure to check us out, scan the QR code, or look us up at sellbetter.xyz. And of course, we wouldn't be able to do this without our partners. So special shout out to Zoom Info, Chili Piper, and Glue Work. And of course, we have our drop of the day. We have a custom prospecting list by Zoom Info. 
you guys don't know, ZoomInfo is one of the best ways to gather leads and figure out everything you need to know about your prospects. So be sure to check that out and take advantage because it's a free prospecting list. So be sure to just click that link and sign up. And of course, we have our agenda. Now, before I go into that, I want to know who is in the room? Do we have SDRs, AEs, maybe some frontline managers? Let me know. This helps guide the conversation. And if you're other, you could be a lot of other marketers in the room. Be sure to let us know in the chat. What type of marketer are you? Your senior leadership? Are you, you know, more on the individual contributor? Let us know. I love to see these. Throw it in the chat. So what are we going to be covering? We're going to be showing you all how to collaborate and really identify that ICP, that ideal customer profile for sales and marketing. We're also going to show you how to create a smooth process so you can communicate better. And lastly, how content plays into all of it and how marketing and sales can work together to create more engaging and impactful content. Now, I'm seeing here that we do have a pretty even across the board. We have SDRs, senior leadership. Does this surprise you at all, Natalie? Not really. I think everyone has had to deal with the impact of sales and marketing not getting along, right? Like everyone's gotten bad leads. Every marketer has probably been told at some point that their leads maybe aren't the best quality. Mm. So I think across the board, everyone wants to fix this. So true. And I completely know what you mean. It comes very frustrating when you get a lead and it's not the best quality. So with marketing and sales are working together, we can definitely improve that process. So love to see it. Now, when it comes to actually making things impactful and actually working together, you need to focus on one ICP. Natalie, you mentioned this in the pre-call and why is this important and what does ICP stand for? So ICP, Ideal Customer Profile, basically just means who are those people that you love selling to? And I think sellers are so good identifying this and you can just see them light up on their face when they talk to a certain lead. Versus I think everyone's been there when you talk to someone, you're like, this clearly isn't good fit. They're not going to really be able to use our product. And even if I do sell them, they probably won't have success. And it's funny because I think marketers come up with all these frameworks and metrics and equations to figure out ICP. And all they really need to be doing is talking to their sales team and just asking like, who do you like to talk to on a day-to-day -day basis? I love that. And it's so true. And Arthur, have you seen that be the case where you know sales is obsessed with ICP because you know you got to go after this? But how does it communicate over to marketing? Yeah, I. It's it's interesting. I think like I'd I'd argue maybe marketing is more obsessed with ICP, but maybe they're not speaking as much with sales on it. To Natalie's point, um, there's been so many opportunities that have like come from just speaking with sales and saying, "Yeah, who who are the leads that you feel really good about when they come inbound?" Right. What is the titles? Is there like titles that you struggle to sell to? Um, we've we've done the survey with our sales team, and I was actually surprised to see the results where they're like, you know what? When sales leaders come into the the deal cycle, it's tougher for us, right? Um, what are the types of references they're looking for? You can get so much simply by asking them, like Natalie said, rather than trying to come up with, here's Barb, then she has two kids and she cares about this like that doesn't matter let's like get straight to the point of what hear directly from your sales reps like what leads they actually enjoy speaking with and then find ways of one how they actually came to you in the first place and then double down on them love that now natalie i'm seeing here that we do have a lot of senior leadership about 24 percent, and the other 24 percent is sdrs one thing you mentioned to me in the pre-call is that senior leadership should be speaking with sdrs more often 
Can you tell me more about that? Should it be senior leaders on the marketing side, on the sales side? What do you think? Probably both, but my guess is senior leaders, hopefully in sales, are already talking to their SDRs. <laughs> but on marketing's end, the only time we usually meet with sales is like maybe, like you said, the head of sales or in a group meeting. But the frontline sellers, the SDRs, they have the most knowledge and are also the most junior, so might not feel as comfortable speaking up in a meeting and saying, hey, CMO, that lead wasn't good. They're probably not going to say that in front of their boss. So I think it's so important if you are head of marketing, go you know, buy your SDR BDRs a coffee, go get lunch one day, get to know them, and then ask them, you know, what do you think about this? This is this. You'll find that they have so like such a new perspective too, especially if they are newer and maybe haven't been in the company for a while. Like sometimes you just kind of assume your ICP is this because everyone's been telling you since you joined. But these are the people talking to them every day. They know and they'll see those new trends or maybe observations that you didn't see. Now, one thing about the sales grind is it can be kind of distracting. You got your basically your blinders on and you're just focusing on meeting your metrics and your goals. Arthur, what kind of incentive could be placed so that they actually do want to speak with marketing? Um, so this is from the seller side in terms of um, getting them to open up lines of communication. That's what you're saying. Yes. yes. Yeah, this one's uh, this one's interesting. I think and, and I know I'm biased looking at it through my own lens, right? But I, coming from sales, I feel like there's some sales reps out there that maybe think a little bit more creatively. And a lot of the time, it's just even going back to what Natalie said, once you identify and maybe just have those one-on-one -on -one conversations, um, I think maybe even just meeting with some of the top reps, seeing what their motivations are their their inspiration um, you can establish those lines of communication i think going back to like sdrs um i loved i know the the metric is booked meetings and i get why that is but i think there's so much value in like meaningful conversations even even objection handles right so if you can find a way to funnel that back of like hey this is what I learned, whether it was you didn't book a demo and there was this objection that came up, right? Um, how they're viewing you through your competitive lens. I think if you can share that uh, for us, maybe it's a Slack channel. Um, I'm trying to think of other ways, just establishing that line of communication, but getting people to share that is, is huge because it gives you an idea of, okay, what are you coming up against? Um, I think you can even reverse engineer that at some points of saying, hey, if this is a common objection, can we even start to include that in our website copy and the content we send out so we can get ahead of it? So as far as incentives, um, it's a tough one because I know they're typically incentivized after booked meetings, but I'm wondering if there, there's something there around meaningful conversations that they can still share it back to marketing, to products saying, hey, this is what the concern is, or this is the public perception. That would be huge. Um, how we incentivize that? I don't know. I wish... Uh, there could be like connects are amazing, right? Like just because you didn't book the demo, but you got to speak with a buyer, that'd be awesome. So is there a future I'd love to see where, where BDRs and SDRs are compensated on meaningful conversations versus just the end result of book meetings? Yeah, I'd love that to be a, a leading indicator, but I don't know how, how close we are to that. All right. And Natalie, when it comes to leading, like aligning on objectives, right? A lot of the messaging that marketers send out is similar to that of sales. There's just not quite that full connection. So how can it be made and improved? So it's like, hey, look, I'm hearing a lot of these objections, just like Arthur mentioned. 
and now I want to include it in my conversation. How can that feedback loop be improved? I think just early on, as much as you can, your marketing messaging, point out those objections or point out those things you hear on sales calls. And as Arthur mentioned, really as much as you can, maybe the BDRs are sharing them or just go into whatever call recording software you have. Or we use, I think like Grain, just go and watch those videos, listen to those clips, listen to those calls, and just literally start copy and pasting some of the messaging. And you'll find it does, from the buyer's perspective, create a much more cohesive narrative where it's not like they're getting one marketing messaging. Or I think we've all seen this too. Like you get some sort of ad and it says one thing and then you hop onto the sales call and it had nothing to do with the ad you were being placed. It should hopefully eliminate some of that and maybe some frustrated buyers on sales end. I see. I see. Now, when it comes to actually moving the the needle, right? How can you actually make sure that sales is actually using effective messaging? Arthur, with the sales role, a lot of times this happens between the VP, directors, or team leads. As you guys are sending stuff out, it's not working. They just go right back to the feedback towards their, their team lead, but they're kind of not missing. They're missing out on marketing. Marketing has more data probably on what is actually resonating. How can that data be included into that loop between the team leads and the SDRs? Yeah, this is, um, yeah, we're going back to, to really the main topic here of how do you align sales and marketing? Um, one, I, I'd be very cautious of how you approach it, right? Nobody has the answer. So if marketing is kind of taking that entitled approach and saying, Hey, sales, you're not listening to our messaging. Um, that's obviously going to fall upon deaf ears. I think for us at Chili Piper, as an example, we have a, what's called a cadence meeting. Right. And marketing actually sits on that meeting where they look at the cadences that the SDRs are, are, are sending out. They're trying to understand, hey, what's working, what, what has the best effect, um, different things like that. So having those opportunities where both teams can meet. Now, to, to Natalie's point earlier, and I can't stress this enough, and, and something I've learned coming over from sales to marketing is the importance of internal marketing. And really going beyond just having one monthly, one weekly large group meeting, because it's not the best place to give feedback, right? Uh, like Natalie mentioned, the BDR might not feel comfortable giving feedback to CMO on the call. So I think there's something to be said about taking it a layer deeper. Um, and this is for both sales and marketing, right? In sales, if you're selling to a buying committee, a lot of the time on that demo, you're probably not getting to what every single person wants to talk to. So what's a great thing to do? Follow up with them after. Hey, I know we didn't get a chance to um, maybe chat about everything you wanted to. Is there anything we didn't cover? Or how did that call go for you? Did, can I answer any questions? Do the exact same thing as a marketer. Follow up with some people and say, hey, I maybe saw you come off mute a couple of times and you wanted to share something or I saw you were engaged in the chat. Um, I wanted to dive in a little bit deeper. I think you'd be surprised for whatever reason, I think on both sides, it's like, we don't want to come back and forth at each other, but just taking that time to, to send them a message one-on-one -on -one and get to know them and ask for their feedback is huge, is huge. So I think like on one side, you can have these meetings where you align, but you really have to find those, those folks to get one-to-one -one feedback. And then maybe you can start identifying those internal sales champions that are more willing to speak up that have these ideas that are sharing their feedback of what they're seeing in the field love that and natalie i think one way to help a lot of the sdrs in the room is to understand what it is a marketer even cares about in the first place i think there's just a big misunderstanding about it all so 
if you had to just summarize it for organizations, what do you think marketers' role is? Like, what do they care about the most? It's funny, as you asked Arthur before, you know, how do you get marketers to listen to your messaging? I was thinking like the most effective way is show it from the prospect's mouth, not your own. And I think marketers really care about the prospect experience, about our brand, our reputation, right? Like we want people loving our product and our brand associated with it. So just by saying, if you're a salesperson, right, if you're just saying, hey, this messaging isn't working, I'm not booking meetings, that doesn't resonate as well for marketing. And marketing, we can be better about this too, but I'll get to that. Try to use their language, like say, you know, when I approached it this way, listen to this call, hear the results I had, the prospect like their face lit up, they were so much more excited, they clearly understood and it resonated with them. So really try to understand what they care about and marketing do the same, right? Don't don't talk to your salespeople and say, you know, that that messaging doesn't align with our brand values. No one cares about that on the sales <laughs> side. Instead, show, hey, when we positioned it this way, this is the, we got this many more meetings booked or these people interacted with it on LinkedIn. Look at those are some of our target buyers. Clearly they resonated with that. Try to change the way you're positioning it to not just be your language. Love I think that. it's such a great point if I can double down on that. Um, yeah, like it, until everybody's always thinking, and this goes for, for everybody, but maybe a little bit more for sales reps, what's in it for me, right? If they just see a marketing person put on a presentation, they're going to glaze over. They're probably going to be checking Slack and email. But if you position it just like Natalie said, of this is what the prospect said, hey, this is what we found in competitive deals. This is what we think is going to help you guys win more deals against this competitor specifically. Now you're speaking my language. Now you're you're speaking to what matters to me most, which is, hey, I want to earn more commission. So I think like always looking at it from the lens of what's in it for me. And a great way to do that is, hey, don't hear it from me, like sitting in, in this marketing ivory tower, but more so from what the prospects are saying and the data we have and the, the research we've done. That's a great way to position it. Love that. Now, I want to hear from our audience. Does your sales and marketing team work together? What is this looking like for our audience? Is it no go? We never work together. It happens. Maybe sometimes you just collaborate here and there or none at all. Just no collaboration. Or maybe you just had no idea that they could even work together. <laughs> Please let me know. Fill out this question we have for you all here. I would love to hear it from you all. Now, William here asks, do you find that salespeople who transition to marketing have an advantage in understanding both perspectives for business success? What do you think? Natalie, has this been something that you've seen been very successful? So I think Arthur will have the best perspective on this. But what I can say is I became a much better marketer when I got into sales operations for a little bit and started working directly with my BDR team and I was feeding their leads, I was helping set up cadences. That really helped inform me like what their day-to-day -day is like. Plus I will say just develop some empathy. That's why I also say marketers listen to calls. It's much easier to understand and work with someone when you understand their day-to-day -day and how hard it is and how hard their job is. So I definitely think it's pretty big advantage. All right, and Arthur, I know you've had experience with this exactly. William, William's teeing me up here. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to like, okay, how do I say this? I can only speak from my perspective. So I think so, William. Um, and I'll tell you, because you get that frontline feedback, which I think is so often missed on marketing, right? Where we're, we're often playing a game of telephone, right? Oh, we heard from this person, from this person, or from this call, from this call, and making assumptions like that. I think call recordings is great. Um, a great place to start, but then you also have to look at it that there's 
ulterior motives on that call. You're not doing it strictly from a research perspective. There's a sales rep trying to push and sell the product or service there. So you're also getting a little bit of um, a limited lens as a marketer if you're just listening to calls. So I think that experience in talking to customers, hearing what actually gets them motivated to go back to their team and say, guys, we need to do this. We can no longer be doing it this way. Um, all of that is really helpful in understanding the buying committee and understanding the pain points that drive it, understanding what takes from interest all the way through to like consideration and purchase is huge. So I think so. I think it, it, it also, you want to look at it from like a, a business acumen perspective too, right? So I think there's a, a certain type of sales rep, but you're right in terms of developing empathy and, and seeing both sides of the coin. I think it's a, it's a huge advantage, William, um, in terms of like sales reps, um, potentially moving into marketing and having both sides of, of that. Love that. Now, I know that one of the biggest pitfalls of this marketing and sales working together is attribution. It always kind of creates competition. Everyone's fighting for leads. They're like, no, this was my lead. I reached out to them. But marketing is like, wait, we just reached out to them with this whole cadence and it worked. So Natalie, what do you think um, teams could do better so that they can actually work together on a concept like this? I think one is just not just measuring lead attribution, but measuring it all the way through. Mm. So as a marketer, don't just show, you know, oh, this campaign I ran gathered this many leads. Show it turned to this much closed pipeline, this much just opportunities in general. Really show the whole funnel and also conversion rates or sales cycle length. Don't just show what it turned out to be, but say like, oh, look at these leads. They close within half the time a regular lead does. Because sometimes it's not just the value is the amount. But also just, I think as a marketer, don't get too obsessed with it. I think that suddenly sometimes we can fight with sales or it feels like we have to defend every single attribution that we make. Yes, obviously we have to show our value. We have to prove ROI as well. But think more about, you know, what is creating the best experience or what what leads are converting well, all that versus I need to figure out the exact source for every single one of my leads. Okay. And Arthur, what are your thoughts on this? Oh, man. We uh we can both speak to this from experience, Adrian, back in the, <laughs> the Chili Piper days, right? Where we did have a last touch attribution model and it really just pits sales and marketing against each other, right? Because you're, we're trying to look and pinpoint and discredit really the entire buyer journey that they took in terms of getting to you and then saying that last touch point is what made the most influence and we're going to give credit to every single one, whether it's an SDR email whether they came on inbound, whether they attended an event. And really, it's it's a very basic way of looking at the buyer's journey, um, not to mention it, it puts you at odds against each other. So this was a tough thing for us to go through, right? Where to the point we wouldn't even sometimes pass off leads to our, our sales team and we try and work them, me and you. Um, in some cases, we were even attending trade shows where we wouldn't bring sales reps because some of us had sales skills and we're like, oh, we can do it ourselves, right? So it, it's just crazy when you think of it that way, because ultimately we're all team revenue, but just by the way you're looking at attribution can really pit your teams against each other. Um, and I think if you look at like the universal buyer's journey, right, where it's um, unaware, aware, consideration, evaluation, decision, marketing's job, I think, is those first three stages, taking people from unaware to aware 
and then potentially considering it. Sales should only be talking to those that are really ready to evaluate and make a decision. Um, so I think if if you understand that, then marketing starts to become less of a digital sales type of department and they're looking to educate, they're looking to get their prospects to think of something differently to the point where the prospect is saying, hey, I get it, You're, it's really resonating, I want to speak with sales. That to me is like the best way to do it. So luckily, we we have a data team that now is able to track that all the way through and look at the, the buyer's journey and not necessarily put um, as much emphasis on that last touch attribution, but looking at, hey, what was the buyer's journey that they t they took did they attend an event did they check out some content this and that and and then crediting marketing um per department based on which one it touched so this is a tough one but um yeah like if you, if you really want to align it it can't be last touch attribution all right that's definitely something to note everyone because this will help improve the relationship you guys have with your teams it needs to work as a whole everyone's working to the same goal you want to make sales and improve the process and move your company forward you can do it as a team love that now i'm seeing here that our audience sometimes works with their marketing department in terms of sales and marketing about 54 percent 30 percent said yes six percent said no and then ten percent had no idea that they could work together so <laughs> when it comes to this Natalie, I know you had a great point about the importance of having a tiger team. Can you explain this more detail? What did you mean by that? So to start, I we were talking about this yesterday as we were going through. I'm pretty sure this is a word I've heard, but if not, we're inventing it live. <laughs> but I've also seen a lot of the questions here asking, like, how do you get BDRs to incentivize to talk to marketing? I think tiger team is the answer. Essentially, what this is, is it's choose a team of SDRs that just naturally are already more creative, maybe like to give their feedback a little more vocal. Don't, so don't force everyone into it because that just isn't some people's personality and they just might not be interested. But really point out those members who you know will be interested in this and then have them work closely with marketing to test new campaigns, new ideas, new messaging and deliver feedback. And I haven't seen this, but you could try compensating a little more, maybe give a little spiff. Like if you're on the Tiger team this month and you launch a successful campaign, you all win something together. I think that could also really help with sales and marketing alignment. It's not just the BDRs are comp like are spiffed off of it, but the entire team together also marketing gets a little reward and you're working towards a common goal. But I think this really helps. You can test it with this small team and then bring it to a larger sales team and have some data that says, hey, we tried this messaging. You know, we got 2x the number of booked meetings. Then suddenly all the other team members will be interested. I really appreciate that because I feel like it could actually scale very easily, right? Once people start seeing the money come in as a whole, like, man, I want to be a part of that Tiger team. Like, I want to now, now there's a lot of incentive to be like, man, I want to work with marketing even more. Now, Arthur, I know this was a very big topic back in the day, and it was should sales reps report to marketers? Now, do you think a concept like this could improve that uh, that possibility? Oh, man, here, uh, you're giving me all the, the controversial ones. Um, <laughs> one, uh, I'll say, like, definitely not sales reps. Um, if anything, maybe the BDRs and SDRs, just from the perspective of if you're looking at the universal buyer's journey, right? And and what's resp who's responsible for what? BDRs typically spend the their majority of their time in those first three stages, either speaking with people that are unaware. Maybe they are aware of the company, but they don't really know. And then really trying to get them to consider like, hey, yeah, this might be a better way to do that. 
And to me, that's more so on the marketing side, right? Marketing's job is to get the large majority of the marketplace, right? If you look at the stats, one to 3% of people are in buy now mode. Okay. What about the other 97 to 99%? That's where marketing and, and maybe BDR should focus. I think from uniting a top of funnel perspective and then getting that outbound motion on marketing um, campaigns can actually show how you're moving the needle in terms of tying yourself to revenue. So I think there's benefits there, but I've also spoken with marketers that said, yeah, I thought it'd be a great idea. And I, once they started reporting marketing, it was terrible. I didn't know how to manage them. I didn't know how to coach them. So ultimately, I think it's like wherever they're going to get the most support, I think there's a case to be made about uniting them in top of funnel because really sales should be speaking with those people that are in evaluation and, and looking to make a decision. Um, but I guess the, the cop-out answer is wherever they're going to get the most coaching and um, in training is where they should sit. All right. Now I want to hear from our audience. Put a one in the chat if you think sales reps should report to sales or two if you think they're to report to marketing. We'd love to see what our audience has to think. Uh, it is a controversial you know, topic, but wherever you find the most support does make a lot of sense, right? If you feel like you can get a lot of content and really things for the outbound perspective, it makes sense to then use it for marketing. But if your sales team can report well, then you can use that and improve the process a lot easier. Now, one of the biggest things that marketers use is content. Content drives marketing motions significantly. Now, when it comes to content, what feedback have you seen, Natalie? I know you had an example here for us about how it has actually improved the buyer journey. Can you break this down for me? What was it that you saw in the past? Yeah. So the example we mentioned here is a big report we put on. But I think taking a step back, you know, we talked about having meetings with your SDRs. We talked about listing sales calls, having those times when you check in after meetings. But what's really important is if you have those meetings, if you ask for their advice and listen to feedback, you have to do something all of it, right? Like nothing is more frustrating than giving your feedback as a sales rep or just anyone to your marketer and just feeling like they're not doing anything. So we got a million times from our sales team, hey, do we have any data around conversions for interactive demos? Do we have any best practices? We got it from prospects, we got it from customers. We heard these questions over and over again to the point where it just became so obvious we needed to do something about it. So we created a big report, we pulled customer data, we made sure you know, it was valid, it wasn't just like a small blog post, but something really big. And what we see, this is actual reactions from customers and our sales team here is, People were almost shocked that their their questions that they had were actually answered as if we were like reading their minds. People would constantly ask us, oh, do you have data around this? Or I'm sure you don't have data, but any chance? And every time we gave it to them, like, this is exactly what I wanted. So don't just have those meetings. Don't just align with the sales team, but then take action on it. It also makes your job easier as a marketer, right? Rather than pulling content out of thin air or doing keyword research, just go and listen to your sales team and answer their requests. Great point. Great point. I want to hear from our audience. Does your sales team use marketing made content for outbound? Like, like Natalie just said, marketing was able to identify all of those pain points and then make something around it. In this case, it was a report, right? In this example, you guys made a report and it actually covered all of those pain points that sales was finding. So are you guys seeing this when you're using your outbound? Are you using marketing's tools or, hey, great point. I just have a case study right here for you, made by marketing, I can bring up because that is so powerful. Arthur, when you were in sales, did you use a lot of case studies or things that marketing made for your outbound? 
Um, I did, but I think as a, as a sales rep, maybe as a creative sales rep, I often, um, would, would go a little rogue and say, okay, if we don't have this, I'm going to do my best to do it. Now, obviously I wouldn't do something like the state of demo report. That's something much larger, but if, if I needed some, I don't know, deck or one pager and I didn't have that, I'd like go off and do that. Um, cause sometimes it'd be like, Hey, marketing, we need a one pager and like, cool, we'll get that to you in six months. I cannot wait that long. So I, I would go off and do that. But, um, I think for maybe some of those things, obviously it would be important for marketing to get involved. I do know, and I, I have experienced that the, the rogue sales rep in me has just gone off and done that. But I think it comes back to what we're talking about here. Um, just seeing what sales is asking for, right. And, and giving them a form or a channel to say, Hey, do we have any of this? And if you see enough patterns in there, then you can of course start to create content for your sales team. But yeah, I was, I was one of those broke sales reps that sometimes would go off and, and create their own content. I love that. Hey, you got to use what you got on hand. And sometimes you got to make shift, you know, use what you can and, and do it. Now I'm seeing here that David actually wrote in the chat and he's saying that, you know, he has millennial sons and it's not really, it's not really a thing in his generation, at least, I guess the more of the boomer generation that saw marketing sales completely divided. Natalie, do you think that we have a younger age that's more willing to work together than the past? I think it goes back to what Arthur said at the beginning about the shifting dynamic in sales and marketing, right? Like marketing used to always just be the support system for sales because there wasn't as much self-education for buying. Like buyers didn't used to be able to go on LinkedIn and find new recommendations, go on G2 and learn more about your product. So marketing didn't have to do as much work or didn't have as many channels to educate or speak to buyers directly. So instead, it was really only be sales. Like that was their main channel. Now, marketers kind of have to start the selling earlier in their marketing so that by the time the buyer gets to you, because they want to self-educate, they want to learn as much as possible upfront, they're ready to speak to sales. Now, one of the big things that we've spoken about in the past is dark social. This is very impactful, but what is it exactly? Because lately I've been hearing it and it sounds almost like a buzzword. So Arthur, can you break it down? What exactly is dark social? Yeah. Um, and I think Natalie kind of hit, hit on a couple of points there. To break it down, it's think of it as word of mouth scaled word of mouth, right? This has always existed. Um, people have always talked in their circles. I think the difference is in the channels that now exist to do that. So let's say in the past, um, 10 years ago, maybe there was a couple annual conferences that you'd finally get a chance to be in the room of your peers and discuss your challenges and opportunities and all of that, right? And a lot of discussions would be had there, maybe purchasing decisions were or buying triggers were, were made during those conversations. Now, the frequency at which I can get in touch with my peers when I log into LinkedIn daily, when I'm part of a Slack communities, when I'm part of a community like JB Sales and I can ask my questions, I can come on these webinars, the frequency at which it happens is at a scale that we've never seen from, from marketing or sales. So that's how I like to look at it is like really scaled word of mouth and the amount of channels that exist um, and the access that peers have to each other. Now I can directly message somebody else or somebody else that's doing evangelism and saying, Hey, what the heck are your KPIs or do you use any tools for this? And they can tell me, and that becomes my short list. Um, the dark part is 
marketing wants to obviously attribute and know where this this demand was generated but oftentimes the attribution says hey it came in either direct or organic but it doesn't really tell me that hey you spoke with adrian at this conference and he name dropped this and i went to go ask my peer here and he said yeah you should go check them out and of course now i'm just typing in google chili piper or novatic whatever it is and marketing attribution saying great wow organic let's let's invest more in google ads well really it actually happened at this trade show or during this webinar so that's the dark the dark piece about the dark social of like you can't really see where the demand was generated unless you ask i see now one of the best ways to improve your dark social i would say your image on dark social or how much you're on there is to create more content right you never know when just a post could lead to a sale hard to trace but it could easily be something like that natalie you had a great example about how content can play a large role into this especially from a macro level to a micro level now i'm seeing here you had an example and this ties very well with what the question was we asked earlier to our audience which was does your sales team use marketing made content for outbound and i'm seeing here that 71 percent said occasionally once in a while and 20% said yes all the time. Now, if they were looking to incorporate more content, how can it be done on a micro scale like this example here? So I think when we think about using marketing content, like blog posts you mentioned, so often I think we're hesitant to share it on LinkedIn, send it in emails because we know no one wants to read that giant blog post. Like if you're on your email, you don't want to be taken out of your email to have to go read a blog post. If you're on LinkedIn, you don't want to be taken out of LinkedIn to go read a blog post. So I think the mistake most marketing teams make is they write this great post and they don't write any summary. They just send it to their sales team and they say, hey, share this. Mm. No help, no nothing. But really, it there's a lot of valuable information in that post, but you have to help this sales team take it out. So one thing we do is when we write a new blog post, we don't just post it on social with the link and say, hey, read this new blog. We take the best parts of the post. We don't hide it. We don't make you have to click to see more. And we just make that into a LinkedIn post. Often people don't even know this is a blog post. And later we link in the comments to it, but it makes sure that the most valuable information, right? Like this is teaching people how their ads click through rate can improve from interactive demos. That's the most important part of them reading this post. They can see that and they don't have to leave the channel they're already at. So marketers give your sales reps a little bit of data give them something don't just send them the link and salespeople, this is free content hopefully your prospects will interact with it we'll see it start objection handling before you even jump onto that call and you didn't really have to do any work coming up with it so great and valid point there how you said they don't really do any work and it's so easy they just have to click post so it's a copy and paste mechanism and it can work very effectively. Now, Arthur, I know Chili Piper had a machine for this when it came to putting out content. I remember one point in my LinkedIn, I'm like, man, I feel like all I have is Chili Piper on my LinkedIn. <laughs> how was that machine created exactly and how did it impact your dark social? Yeah, um, this is, I guess in a way, like, yeah, what, what Natalie just mentioned here, I think the difference was one, we had... Um, every Thursday is dedicated to social amplification and shout out to Marioli, our, our former social media manager. This was her brainchild um, where we would identify something that we wanted to put more eyeballs towards, whether it was, I don't know, maybe an awesome podcast episode that we just recorded something around this, a partnership, whatever it was. And we would go through 
to the point where we create, let's say, 10 to 12 different types of LinkedIn posts around this topic, around this resource, and share it in a Google Doc across the entire team and say, hey, if if you could please join us in amplifying this, there's different posts. Feel free to put your name on here. It's as easy as copy and pasting. A lot of the time, I know for myself, I'd use it as inspiration, right? I, I think writing content can be pretty difficult. One of the the sayings that I, I really live by and, and like to um, remind myself of is you can't edit a blank page, right? It's so tough to just look at a blank page and start from scratch. But if you're using something as inspiration, hey, maybe you can use a couple of your ideas and start creating content there. So that's how we're really able to make it a machine in terms of giving them the posts saying, hey, feel free to copy and paste these. These are ready to go. Feel free to use these as inspiration. And then uniting the entire company around Thursday saying, this is what we're going to amplify. And yeah, a lot of the time we'd we'd hear these comments all the time, Adrian, of like, man, okay, Chili Piper is making an announcement. Like this, this came across my feed. I'm aware of it, right? So it's a great way to unite the company and, and make it easy for sales reps to start posting this content. Fantastic. Everyone, make sure to rewatch this portion of the show because that is a lot of value you can take away from this from both a marketing perspective and sales perspective. Have marketing create content and then basically create a document that sales can then just copy and paste and then utilize for their own content that can lead to more dark social channels, more followings for you as a sales rep. All, all around, it just has more eyes on you as a seller, and this is great news. So be sure to copy that method because it is very effective. Now, we have time here for some Q&A, so we'd love to get into it. Now, Mehul asks, how do you create a sense of urgency in the prospect's mind? Natalie, how do you do this from a marketer's perspective? We've touched on this a little bit, but I think as much as you can, putting those objection handles earlier in your marketing right? Like anticipate the question they're going to ask, anticipate why they're hesitant to buy, you know, show some case studies ROI early on. So then it you, they kind of start selling themselves before they have to jump into the salesperson to be convinced. Okay, fantastic. And an anonymous attendee here asks, as an SDR manager who also plays a significant role in marketing, how would I incentivize my SDRs to want to influence the marketing strategy since it's not necessarily in their job description? Arthur, do you have anything for this anonymous attendee? Yeah, um, I had a good, uh, let's go back to my holes because I had something there too. Um, <laughs> in marketing, how would I incentivize? This is really interesting, uh, anonymous attendee, because I think we're kind of thinking something similar right now, right? As the, the evolution of marketing happens, as the lines continue to blur between sales and marketing, right now we're, we're actually experimenting with a little bit of a spiff. Um, and I've, I've heard suggestions of potentially even making it as part of like a promotion path, right? Because if you look at how people are consuming content, going back to Natalie's point, like they probably aren't going to click off LinkedIn or whatever social media they're on to read a long form blog post. You have to be where your buyers are at and you have to understand how they're consuming content and how they want to be educated. Um, I mean, the outbound rates continue to decline, but I know there's a incredible outbounders out there that are getting their message across. So I like this question. I think um, if I can share a little bit of how we're thinking about it is spiffing them instead of making it part of like their quota. So the more they share, the more they post, um, I would love to get into like meaningful conversations that we can actually tie back to like, hey, they posted this, somebody DM them. 
Um, that would be amazing. So I'm we're right now we're looking for a spiff. We're potentially exploring it as part of like the role and saying, hey, we would like to see you do X amount. I think at a baseline level, it would just be like comments. So like taking a, an hour a day, I don't know how long you can, um, to just comment on potential buyers and and raise awareness. I think a lot of the time it's pressure of like you creating your own content and and posting it and thinking that it, you're going to be a thought leader and people are going to be like, oh my God, I wish I thought of this. Like, can I have a demo now? Probably not going to happen. So how else do you raise awareness? Just being by where your buyers are at, right? Making your name familiar of like when it pops out, oh wow, this person really supports my content. And by the way, anybody posting on LinkedIn wants to have their content supported. So what better way to get on their radar than like commenting and saying, hey, this was really thoughtful or this resonated in this way, or hey, I see what you mean by this point, but have you thought of it in this way? Anything to generate meaningful dialogue between potential prospects um, is a good way to look at it. Can I touch on Mahul's, uh, Mahul's question before? We do have one minute left. Uh, Crap. So okay, let's get up. <laughs> Uh, so actually, I would love to actually bring up where can the people find you, uh, Natalie? Where can the people find you if if they if they wanted to look for you? Not surprising, but LinkedIn. LinkedIn. All right. So be sure to check her out on LinkedIn. We can go ahead and drop the link in the chat. And Arthur, how about yourself? Man, I was going to make a joke, and I can't even think of the the one place where people met for like voice stuff. I can't, that's already Clubhouse. Was what was it? Clubhouse. The clubhouse, that's what it is. <laughs> like, find me on clubhouse. I can't even think of it. Uh, no, LinkedIn, uh, super active on LinkedIn. Would love to continue the conversation of sales and marketing alignment, or maybe you're a creative sales rep out there and you're thinking about making the switch to marketing. Happy to chat about that too. Fantastic. Well, guys, you heard it here first. So thank you so much for joining us, Arthur, Natalie. It's been a pleasure having you here. And for our audience, be sure to recap with this. Make sure to work with your marketing team. Maybe make a tiger team. We're making that word a thing now. It's a thing. Making a, a tiger team, use that content to your advantage. Marketers can make content. Sales can share it. It improves everybody's visibility. It is a great move. And lastly, make sure to hone in on your ICP. It can make all the difference in understanding who you are actually reaching out to and what they care about. Now, thank you so much for attending and I'd love to have you guys here and we will catch you all on the next one.